Welcome to the Three and a Half Walls podcast. I'm Austin Zwiebelman. I'm Jackson Morrill. I'm Tanner Kraft. I'm Daniel Green. And I'm Josh Key. And today we're going to be reviewing the 2020 adaptation of the 2001 novel Artemis Fowl, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Oh, yeah. Dropped on Disney Plus recently, and how'd you guys, how'd you guys like it? This is uh, a <laughs> Kenneth Branagh film? <laughs> yeah, it is. Yes! Well, I said that in the group yeah. chat. You didn't notice it? <laughs> no, I noticed it in the group chat, but I noticed it before you said it in the group chat because I actually pay attention to the opening credits. Oh my god! <laughs> oh, I thought you were. I thought you said Kenneth Branagh directed this, like it was for the first time. No, just now. I have a I have a notepad open because uh, I decided to actually kind of con- congeal my thoughts in case this was the kind of experience where I would forget everything as soon as <laughs> I turned it off. Uh, see, I should have been smart like you, Jackson, because guess what I've forgotten about? Everything. Everything. It's, it's, it's just, it's boring. It's, it's so boring. boring. It's so boring. It's, and here's the disappointing thing. It's not even like a funny, bad, like, bad. It's just yeah. boring bad. Yeah. No, it's, so one of those... it's just so boring. I was so ready to come into this and just be like, yeah, this is bad because X, Y, and Z. But no, it's just like... Ugh, it just drags, and like, I could tell, we could all talk about specific things that we all hated, but you can't just, oh, you can't just talk so, about this for too long, because it's someone, just, so, just so boring. Did, like, all of Artemis's, did all of Artemis' scenes take place in a house? Pretty much. Yes. Yes, I was surprised. I, that stuck out to me. At about the hour mark of the film, I was like, wait, there's this one feels scene. like it's still the beginning of the story. Why are we still in the house? There was one scene, I think, and that was when he was outside and looking at the hill. with a... No, he was surfing at the beginning, remember? Oh, yeah, okay. So. Oh, yeah, and he also knows how to work a one-wheeled skateboard, as all the relatable content these oh, days suggest okay. kids mess with. What the hell was that? Like, the guy was going, like, five miles an hour, right? And then he just does this huge leap off of a ramp, and then he's somehow able to do, like, a freaking, like, skateboard grab. And even though there's no grip, there's nothing holding him onto that. (laughs) Yeah, the the physics of that scene bothered me. Daniel, you've clearly never mastered the mono-wheeled skateboard like everyone else has as a relatable kid. Neither did Artemis Fowl! Nothing in that scene is possible. So a little bit of background here. We have one person on this podcast who actually grew up reading the books because he's got pretty good reviews back in the day. And that is our very own Josh Key. Yep, unfortunately. <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> the book's good. The books were really good. At least they were when I was like 11. Josh literally witnessed death of the author happen before his eyes. <laughs> yeah, it. this was... So first off in the books, Artemis Fowl was just a shithead who wanted to kidnap a fairy. As you do. <laughs> he was a shithead in the in the movie. Like I hated Artemis Fowl, but continue, I'm sorry. I mean like there was no He had justification as the problem. There was no like artifact of doom or anything like that, or like any noble intentions behind Artemis Fowl in the original, if I remember right. He just wanted to kidnap a fairy because he could. It was, he was the bad guy. Artemis Fowl was the bad guy? He was definitely Duh. the villain. Yeah, it was kind of like Die Hard with fairies. Uh, one thing I noticed about the Artemis Fowl, uh, the first book at least, was that Artemis Fowl ran a criminal enterpro- enterprise at the beginning of the book, right? Yeah. Oh, there, yeah. There were, he, he was connected to more things than just chilling at the mansion, desperately wanting to hang out with his dad. He actually was a criminal mastermind. At 12 Is that years true? old? Yeah. And his dad was actually, like, a criminal. And his dad was missing, and he had a mom, who what he, uh, I think was the whole, like, reason he kidnapped a fairy in the first book, was because he wanted to, st- uh, get, get the fairies to give him a shit ton of gold, so he could dissolve half of it and use it as a wish to make his mother not insane anymore. I love dissolving gold <laughs> to grant a wish. I piss gold. Anyway, they, uh... They did a number, and they sort of combined things into, like, a a bunch of things into a script so it all could be workable. But, you know, I I think that they kept the important stuff from the book, like Mulch Diggums. Oh, my God. How'd everyone feel about Josh Gad as Mulch Diggums? Why did he look like Hagrid in his first few shots? He looked like Hagrid and sounded like Batman. 
Yeah. Like, Multiple God. people in this movie do like weird, like rat, raspy throat growls that sound like Batman. But yeah. let's focus on Josh Gad's accent, which the only thing I can call it is un-American with a capital A, <laughs> because it's American, but he's trying desperately to like add some flares to it in like three whole shots. I like how in the very beginning he says that this story takes place in a place where magic still is, exists. Ireland. <laughs> I lost my I lost my shit at that. I wonder if that's what Josh Gad just looked like. Because like <laughs> Mickey Mouse has been keeping him in a dungeon, forcing him to sing a number for Frozen 3, and he can't get it right, and that's why his voice sounded like that. <laughs> <laughs> you missed the high note again, Josh Gad. No more food tonight, Josh Gad. What do you think that Josh Gad eats? No, I was looking at that opening shot, and they're just like in a magical place. I was like, this looks like Ireland. Are they talking about Ireland right now? Ireland! Oh, like, Ireland. I was like, yeah, this is fucking Ireland. Okay, cool. So. But here's the important question. Is this Ireland proper or colonized Northern Ireland? The land uh, of Ireland the land of Ireland oh, is it's the Ireland. Ireland. It's colonized. It's colonized Ireland. Because when the uh, cops take Josh Gad off to that oil rig or wherever they interrogate special people, it's the uh, MI6 instead of Ireland's special yeah, intelligence agency. it is not the Republic agency. of Ireland. It is Northern Ireland. You're right. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The chair was from the queen. That was another thing. Yeah. So here's an important question, guys. Is the Troubles canon? In the Artemis Fowl universe. Oh, multiple <laughs> things are canon in the in the Artemis Fowl universe. Uh, specifically, I have listed. What the hell else do I have listed? Uh, well, skipping a little bit ahead, we see a uh, orc from the Warcraft, the adaptation of World of Warcraft, oh into a film. So that's canon. And cool. so is Thor, because uh, everyone knows that every movie Kenneth Branagh directs. Gollum uh, did survive this movie, or uh, did survive Lord of the Rings, and uh, was played by Judy Dench in this movie. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> Man, you know, I didn't think Judy Dench would be able to pull off something worse than cats. Dame oh, Judy Dench is having a bad year. Yeah. Yeah, can, we, can, we, can I get an F in the chat for my girl Judy? <laughs> There's this one scene in the movie where she comes out of some kind of, like, uh, drop pod, and she's there with all the cops, the fairy cops, the leprechauns, yeah. and uh, she, she just says, top of the morning. Like, she's so pissed. This is her standing in front of all of history, forced to deliver this fucking line. Yeah, I somebody thought that that was a funny thing. Also, one of the screenwriters is literally named Hamish, so you don't get much more Irish than that. I, I thought this was written by two Irish playwrights or some shit. It's it, it passed uh, through a couple of hands, but I refuse to believe that a playwright touched this garbage. Uh, did did you guys know the the two directors who were slanted to do this uh, while it was in development hell? This is kind of a funny story. Mm -hmm. It uh, ori originally it was Lawrence Gutterman. You guys might know him for Cats and Dogs oh, and uh, Son of the Mask. You re you oh, mean the great. two best movies to come out of my childhood? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> And then, uh, after that, it was going to Jim Sheridan, who, uh, is, like, the complete opposite end of the director spectrum. Uh, he did My Left Foot, and In the Name of the Father, those two movies between them garnered 13 Oscar nominations. Oh <laughs> Alright, so, um, I just looked up something about the writers of the movie. Yeah. First off, their names are Hamish and Connor. Love it. Yeah. So you I love it. Pretty Irish names. Yeah. Number one, one of the writers is more known for being, has 16 acting credits and only six writing credits. Yeah, that happens. But all of his acting credits are, like, little cameo parts. Yeah, that happens. Okay. And the guy who wrote this morning, wrote this movie, he also wrote Mr. Beans' Holiday. Yeah. Johnny English Reborn. Yeah. And Paddington! Whoa, so he's a genius! So he really likes Rowan Atkinson, that's what I'm hearing. Pretty much. I mean, Paddington's an actual, <laughs> like, good movie. Then again, he co-wrote it with Paul King, so maybe that's I didn't why. see Paddington. Yeah, Paddington and Paddington 2 were really good, although I gotta admit that torture scene in Paddington 2 was a bit much. Yeah, I think that pulling out... I mean, George out Bush deserved it. Pulling out Paddington's teeth like that is a little rough. Jeez. But at least he could just pop them back. This is probably one of the most unadaptable books I've ever read. Yeah. yeah. Like, really. the structure in this movie is weird, and doesn't seem to follow 
anything you would expect or fits movie pacing well because yeah, it the original novel doesn't at all either well, isn't Artemis a dick until like the third book? Yeah, pretty much. He also has no combat experience, and this one he's just kind of a badass for no reason other than he can be. Also, uh, yeah. in the book, uh, Butler, instead of getting his ass kicked by the troll, put on a suit of medieval ar armor and beat its ass in hand-to-hand -hand combat. <laughs> yeah, <I know>. like, <laughs> that would have been a much better scene! Uh, yeah. When he died, I, I couldn't give less of a shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was like when Quicksilver died in Age of Ultron. I was having that same exact feeling of like, oh no, don't. I had more feelings for Quicksilver. No, I had I cared about Quicksilver in that yeah. movie way more than I cared about this guy. And that's saying a lot because he still didn't care that much about Quicksilver. Yeah. No, you're right. I did not care much about Quicksilver in that movie. Yeah, but it was way more than Dom. Honestly, his only defining characteristic was how blue his eyes were. His eyes were the same color blue that Sonic the Hedgehog was before the redesign. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> I still want Cursed Sonic on Blu-ray. I do no. too. I do too. VHS. Laser disc only. It, HBO Max will release it. it. His eyes reminded me of, like, Dan Stevens. <laughs> and I was wondering if this was just, like, some deep fake of one of the last frames from one of his scenes in Legion when he's, like, transforming into someone. You know... Dan Stevens did play the Beast. <laughs> <laughs> but who played the Beast? Dan, Dan Stevens actually would have been a good butler. Butler was always terrifying. Also, wasn't everyone complaining about Judy Dench's character being, like, gender-bent from the original book? Oh yeah, no, it was. But I mean, when you get Judy Dench on your casting list, you kind of just say fuck you to whoever was a male lead at that point. I mean, no, because if the male lead is actually going to care more... I don't know. I think they uh, had Robert De Niro attached at one point, but I don't what? know if he was playing Artemis's dad or if he was playing Judy Dench's character. I think Root? Neither. He was attached to produce. Oh, fuck. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, funny enough, Weinstein Company was attached to produce this when it was under Miramax, and later uh, Disney kept it held over until Harvey's allegations, oh. at which point they pulled him from the film. Huh. Another movie toppled by the Weinstein Yay. scandal. If only we could have seen... If only we could have seen this one, if there were more sexual predators involved. It might not have had a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes, <laughs> Cons am I right? Considering how much of the cast was children, I don't want that. Uh, Harvey Weinstein... <laughs> no, because here's the thing. Harvey Weinstein would redo it so it's all adults instead of children. Uh, yeah. Artemis Fowl... Okay, um, because this is... I, I've been watching reviews on this ever since it came out, because I just get <laughs> bored at, like, 3 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, no, same, yeah. How, how did everyone like the, uh, kid who portrayed Artemis? Oh, he my was, God. He was there. I, honestly, I don't have... I thought his nose looked weird. <laughs> okay. Wait, of all the things okay. you can say right now... So... Yeah, I, you I dip it's... into anti-Semitism, Tanner. Once again, what, your true colors come out. Wait, is he Jewish? No. God, no. But okay, aside from the nose, how is his performance? Hold on, I'm googling Artemis oh Fowl Jewish. I really <laughs> thought just. I, I wonder if the diversity of the cast was like a smokescreen for how poorly they cast it, so people wouldn't like talk about it. Maybe. Because absolutely nobody in this movie was cast correctly. Nobody in this movie was good. <laughs> like. Colin Colin Farrell was fine, other than the heavy Irish Bruges, which is normal, yeah. but I still make fun of it. That's because he's a he's a foreigner to the canon. Like he he barely was even in the books. He definitely wasn't in the first one. But like every I'm, single person could have been switched into a different, better role. I think. Like I think Judy Dench would have made a better butler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm gonna say it. I thought all the fairy stuff was stupid. Uh, what yeah, the fuck was the sci-fi fae aesthetic? Who the, the fuck decided like, to the... whitewash Black Panther with a hint of Irish? Like, seriously, <laughs> I thought... I think I might would have liked it more if it was, like, an actual, like, fantasy aesthetic. Instead, it's this weird, stupid sci-fi aesthetic. Guardians of the Galaxy looking bullshit. <laughs> To be fair, though, Josh, is it described as sci-fi-esque in the books? Oh, it absolutely is, but it's actually handled well. Okay. Yeah. It's got this kind of, like, Magitech vibe to it, and it definitely isn't supposed to feel like some Wonder City that looks like it's out of Man of Steel. Because, <laughs> honestly, it only felt like it only felt like tech, not Magitech. Yeah. No, it, I mean, it kind of felt like magic to me, but, yeah, no, they didn't portray it well at all. 
They yeah. fucked up everything that made it good. Yeah, I'm sure. I think, like, almost categorically. <laughs> the original reason she got caught was because she used magic in the troll fight. That's what was a big deal, and she had to go to a place of power to recharge it, which was, like, the Rock of Terra or whatever. Yeah. Mm. But no, she went to go clear her father's name, and then which none the... of that was ever brought up again. My father was a good man. And, like... It wasn't- they didn't block her magic in the book. Uh, she ran out, and she couldn't recharge it. And I found a way to recharge it. It- they, like, everything they changed was for the worse, and I still don't understand why, because everything they didn't change made the movie bad. Uh, apparently, Eon Colfer, like, signed off on most of the changes, but the big thing about this is that somebody stated it very succinctly in a review, that it was something that would- anger fans of the books and confuse people new to like the universe and it ended up feeling like the you watch the origin story of somebody that you will never see again i have the perfect comparison for this x-men origins wolverine this no not at all that is a stupid comparison <laughs> no no this movie is like the dark tower adaptation Oh. Huh? I, I'm not ever gonna set foot near that fucking movie. You can't make me. <laughs> Hot take. Hot, okay. Um, Austin, you're gonna you're, wake you're gonna up strapped to a bed with Dark Tower on the TV. <laughs> I have it on Blu-ray. I have it on VHS. <laughs> but here's the thing. Here's the thing. Here's the big thing I heard about the Dark Tower a lot. Fans of the book hated it because of, like, how much weird stuff was changed and how weird it was newcomers were confused by it because it doesn't explain enough here's where i come in i knew a bit about the dark tower books but i hadn't read them but apparently i knew just enough to understand the movie but not enough to get angry at it oh yeah so you're one of three people who liked the dark tower yes yeah, i liked the dark that's tower fair. movie <laughs> i think it's timely to say that artemis fowl in this movie had something in common with martin luther king it's that people kept fuck. forgetting to say Junior on his name. Ah, shut the fuck <laughs> Oh my god. That's a good point. I was confused for the first 15 minutes. Because they kept calling the dad and the son the same yeah. thing. Without just differentiating them. No, Colin like, Farrell distinctly said, Artie, Artie, I need you to, to carry in me legacy. Because like, like eight minutes in, I'm like, wait, is Artemis Fowl his dad? Huh? <laughs> yeah, no, I was a little yes, confused the first Yes, you are correct. I know it can't be canon, but, like, I really wish that that scene from True Detective Season 2 where Colin Farrell beats up some other kid's dad because he was bullying his kid as canon in this universe. <laughs> be the change you want to see in the world. I just want I just want this to be uh, canon with It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Why? With, just because it would explain some of the occasionally weird shit that happens in the show. Okay. <laughs> you know what? Artemis Fowl sure was foul. <laughs> I'm just gonna go down the list of notes that I have here. I was uh, just gonna I've say. I've already discussed. Oh, uh, one one oh. thing that I uh, that I found with this movie is it is a classic case of why you need to show don't tell, because one thing that just made this movie so boring was it was just everything just felt like okay we have to go you have to know about this so now I'm gonna tell you this okay oh hey next you got to know this so now I'm gonna tell you that and it was just a checklist more or less. To, you know, build off of that. I get it to an extent because it's a movie made for kids, so maybe you have to dumb it down a little. I don't know. Still, to the extent of which they do it to this movie is so. Do they think kids are all stupid? Yes. Probably. Apparently. Did anyone watch the uh, 15 minutes of deleted scenes that were included? Because I did not. There were 15 what? minutes of deleted scenes? There are 15 minutes of deleted scenes in this movie, and apparently the majority of them explain points that were cut out and then poorly narrated to oh. fill in to save time. Honestly, why? You could you could have stuck in 15 minutes into this movie, and if it actually made, like, the pacing is already, like, weird. At 95 minutes, it is, it is a uh, chore to get through. I don't yeah. want this thing to be over 100 minutes. Yeah. But what if adding 15 minutes makes it better? Are you saying we yeah. should release the Snyder Cut of Artemis Fowl? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's re release the Brainaw Cut. Yeah, I, I want to put Kenneth no, Brainaw's Snyder... name out on Twitter, demanding him to be more associated with this movie. <laughs> I want to tarnish that fucking William Shakespeare adapter into the dirt. <laughs> like, listen, Brana is such a weird director. I love him. Is he the... <sighs> well, I love him too. 
like, but he's also like has a weird catalog. Yeah. Let's see. He has the Much Ado About Nothing adaptation, which is like <laughs> one of the best Shakespeare adaptations ever. Uh, he did that what three, four-hour-long version of Hamlet where he played Hamlet. Oh, I, I was hate about that to say, version. Like the five-hour, the five-hour version of Hamlet. He's obnoxious. <laughs> I he love literally, it. Dude, okay. Oh my god, I could go on and on about that Hamlet. Oof. <laughs> he directed Thor, and then he also directed Murder on the Orient Door, Orient Express. Orient Express. Yeah, yeah, he played he played Hercule Poirot and it was fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah, that movie rocks. He has he has a cameo in almost every film. What was his cameo in Artemis Fowl? He he like cut it. He cut it in hot. When he was at the editing room floor and he realized how bad it was, he was like, cut my yeah. scene. I like that. It was like Al Pacino at the end of Jack and Jill. He just looked over at the Disney. He looked at Bob Iger and was just like, burn this. No one <laughs> should see this. Burn all the copies. But no. Who's um, seen this? That that version of Hamlet, like, that was just a four-hour, like, he just wanted to masturbate in front of everyone. God, I hated yeah. it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wait, and I thought it, you said it was Kenneth Branagh, not Louis C.K. <laughs> I had a notepad. That I took a ton of notes on down, but I just kind of want to get up to roughly where we are now. Uh, most of these I've discussed, but when I, when it was the narration about fucking Dom's name, I just wrote, Don makes everyone his sub, in parentheses, abrupt introduction, which seems to be like a running theme of this movie, that each character is like, roughly introduced, and then freezes to say, you're probably wondering who this is. What I thought would have been funnier about Dom is that, you know how it showed all of Artemis's things where he won the architecture competition and he beat the chess grandmaster? I thought it would have been hilarious if Dom came in second place for all of those. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. Domovoy was just the runner-up who almost got to the chess master and lost. Domovoy came in second place for the architecture competition in Helsinki. He just keeps getting bugged over by this 12-year-old. And now he has to be his butler. Oh my god. That'd be fucking amazing. Yes. So the butler's name was Butler, right? It was Dom Butler. Yeah. Oh, be careful. But you can't call him Butler oh, because otherwise he'll fuck him. your He's ass. He's gonna snap you in half. The funny thing is in the books, everyone just called him Butler. That's so funny. <laughs> <laughs> like they made that up for the movie? Yeah, they made that up for the That's movie. Amazing. His first name is mentioned like twice, I think. I, think I remembered it was Domovoy because I'm me, not because it was, like, particularly major. They just called him Butler, and that was the joke. Yeah. I, I can't I can't wait for Kenneth Branagh's adaptation of, like, the Jesus story, where they're like, and nobody calls him Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Butler was, like, the coolest character in the books, too, and they just made him get his ass kicked, like, repeatedly in this movie. I wanted him to turn out to be cool. He literally dies. He, he was a... Well, he died, I think, in the books, maybe. Yeah, Yeah, I and they bring him did. back to life with magic. Yeah. yeah, but, like, he was a point-of-view character in the books, and he'd talk about, like, the, the sig in his shoulder holster and, like, the spring kosh he kept up his suit, like, suit sleeve and shit. And they cut, like, all the cool scenes from the book where he, like, went through, like, abandoned fishing ships and tracked down people in, like, shady villages in the Middle East that knew about the fairies. Oh, <laughs> The books were really badass. Like, I actually... Honest, so they cut out any scene that made him interesting. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Honest? Was the daughter... Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was actually a or major the, the character. Niece, niece, sorry, yeah. Because, yeah, like, in here, they just kind of just threw her in. It was just like, oh, yeah, she's here. They should have just it, cut her rather than, like, have her yeah. in it. She was a really major she, character in the books, but they cut every scene that she was important in. Yeah, I was about to say, she literally had zero development in the plot. You could have had the exact same thing, and... She was a big part of the build-up to them uh, releasing Holly, which they didn't build up to at all. She, they're just friends all of a sudden after yeah. Artemis kidnapped her. Uh, mm -hmm. Juliet. Oh yeah, is that was hilarious the too. Niece of of uh, Dom. Dom. And apparently in the books, uh, she was either his sister or his daughter, but not his niece. And that was just changed because the casting was so age disparate. Yeah, she was also like a teenager. Like, late teens, yeah. I think. She was 16 yeah. in the books, uh, and is 12 in the movie. Uh, yeah, because at the end of one of the books, Artemis Fowl comes out of, like, a time... He's, like, three... Skip three years ahead in the future, and he comes out, and she's got, like, twins or something. You know, for all our Three and a Half Walls <laughs> listeners who have read all the Artemis Fowl books! I, even, I read all of them, like, a decade ago. I'm just gonna... I'm talking out my ass, probably. <laughs> I, I read the... 
Wikipedia summaries today, sir? I am an expert <laughs> on this. I the TV Tropes page like three years ago. Yeah, I did. I, that's what I did before coming onto this podcast. Uh, one thing that I wanted to say is based off the trailers, I assumed Dom was actually part Faye himself because his appearance is somewhat otherworldly with like the snow white hair and the very, very distinct blue eyes. Yeah. So that was the assumption I made. And it's really frustrating. It, it, it is so difficult after someone says snow white hair to hear anything other than glowing green eyes. I was just said afterward. That too. Okay, cool. <laughs> He can walk through walls, disappear, and fly. He's much more unique than the other guys. Phantom, <laughs> phantom. When it didn't quite work, his folks, they just quit. But Danny will take a look inside of it. <laughs> it was a great big flash, and everything just changed. His molecules got all rearranged. Phantom, phantom. <laughs> <laughs> when he woke up, he realized. Okay, we're done. <laughs> now that we're back from the break. <laughs> Technical uh, difficulties. One of the very first things that I noticed in the scene, like right after his father disappears, is that Artemis Fowl and Artemis Fowl own a home phone. Who the fuck owns a home phone these days? I think that's actually common. I think that's common for rich people. Okay, boomer. No. Yeah, actually, uh, my old man owns a fucking mansion, and he's got two landlines that go to different numbers in his house. Are you serious? It's actually like a, a signifier of wealth, because you can have multiple landlines. It's just like that weird thread of like what signified wealth to you, and somebody said having a fridge with an ice dispenser. <laughs> um, you know, that reminds me, you know, believe it or not, guys, my family only canceled our landline like two months ago. <laughs> oh my gosh. When my we parents... haven't used it. We haven't used it in years. It's just the last time my mom tried to cancel. The lady on the phone like made it so difficult for her that she gave up. Oh my god, that's so funny. And that was yeah. years ago. Until now. Yeah. The when my parents moved house, they just were like, "We are. We don't need landlines anymore. We all have cell phones." That's my parents shit. finally got rid of theirs too. I, I took some I took some notes on the movie, by the way. Uh, a couple that are just throwaways, like all of the fonts, all the font choices in this movie were 2000s as fuck. Yep. Like they all look like some rounded off version of a system <laughs> font, and that was fucking terrible. It looks like something you see in the credit sequence for Lord of the Rings. Yeah, pretty much. There, there was one transition in this movie that almost made me like uh, have a prolapsed anus out of rage. Oh. <laughs> there was uh, this character named Foley, and he's half centaur. Oh my god! Oh my and there's god. this with the fucking... There's this fucking transition where Foley jumps out of frame and makes this goofy-ass horse yes. noise. And, like, Dame, Dame Judi Dench is looking at him, and, like, it was, like, the worst transition I've seen in my whole fucking uh, life. There was a centaur in this movie? They completely yeah. fucked up Foley. Like, all they had to do was be, like, more faithful to the books in this, like, in, like, minor ways. Because, like, every character in the books is, like, a gag from something from pop, pop culture. Like, Butler's yeah. supposed to be a parody of James Bond. Like, uh, Root is a parody. Like, Judy Dench's character is a parody of the Chief from cop movies. Oh, jeez. Foley is, like, Hacker Man from, like, Kung Fury. That's what he looked like, yeah. Yeah, and that's what he's supposed to no, be. Not some, like, stuffy British dude. Who just don't happens to be half which... horse. Like, him being half horse was part of the joke, because instead of having a chair, he was part horse. It well, was like visual comedy. Granted, <laughs> he wasn't that stuffy. He was actually pretty energetic throughout his performance. I mean... Compared to the other characters. He, he was, but he was also, like, one of, like, the comic relief characters in the books and was actually kind of funny. Yeah. He's just, like... Oh no, they've defeated my hacking. There's problems. What's going on? Wow, I'm annoyed. They shot my hacking with an arrow. Cause <laughs> yeah, they shot yeah. my hacking. There's a, in the book, the way Artemis gets out of that fucking um, time bubble is by taking sleeping pills. <laughs> because of knowledge that his father gave- I'm not shitting you. No, knowledge that his father gave him about fairy tales gets him out of, like, this weird time bubble situation. Because he figures, like, in books, nobody ever wakes up when it's inopportune for fairies. So he figures that the time bubble is the reason for that. So it's only meant to keep you as long as you're in the same consciousness state as when the time bubble started. So by going asleep, oh you break out of the time bubble. Yeah, they don't even explain how they got out of it. <laughs> in the movie. You just... It just collapsed and accelerated the timeline by two days. That's all it did. Yes. So you know how technologically advanced apparently the fairies are? Sure. Mm -hmm. 
So I choose to believe that this movie takes place in the same universe as Bloodshot. Yeah. Oh my god. What the fuck? And that, hold on, and that the fairies were the one that open source coded Vin Diesel's character. I'm, a, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. No, that, I'm in. that was Winston from New Girl that did that, wasn't it? <laughs> he just posted all so, of his, like, super AI nanobot shit on GitHub. I, th <laughs> I thought you were gonna say uh, Winston from fucking uh, Overwatch for a second. I, I did the, no. you know, I just finished my last commit, and for some reason it's trying to tell me we need to find the fairies. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, the time it's, bubble. How did that work? It's what unexplained. the hell was it? Einstein so, was right. All of a sudden, yeah, yeah, oh my god! <laughs> so wait, I'm just confused though. So like, there's like a small ripple, and then like, they just get like sucked up. Where do they go? Well, I think near the end of the movie, it shows that... They go home! It shows, it shows near the end of the movie that it just kind of takes them on a joyride, because I was thinking the same thing as you, that when the time bubble gets them with its tentacles, they just fucking explode or, like, get spaghettified. <laughs> so that's the thing. So it takes them on a while to ride, all the important people. But what about that one that literally just got spaghettified? See, this is canon with Interstellar. I just, like, went to the Shadow Realm. Like, are they just gone? It takes them to Gargantua from Interstellar. Did the writer... Armstrong. Did just the writers of this movie, like, not understand Einstein's theory of relativity? No. Uh, no. Did you, do you think anybody that participated in this movie understands what they wrote? Honestly, that was, that was probably, like, the biggest warning shot that the movie fired, was when he's sitting down with who I think is Dr. Poe, or just, like, his therapist in the beginning. Yeah, Dr. Poe. And he's like... He's like, young Artemis, who do you admire? And Artemis Fowl was like, well, for one, that kid was Albert Einstein. <laughs> oh, and that God. kid's name, Albert Einstein. Oh, you know yeah. What? That's how you like, know he's a loser, because cool kids say Tesla. <laughs> they do not list any other theoretical physicists that actually would be like, oh, this is a smart movie. They jump straight to that guy. Here's the weird thing. Later on in the movie, they reference Hawking. He sh if... Because here's the thing, a kid caring about Hawking makes more sense to me than Einstein. Hawking had something in common with Artemis Fowl. They both were hell on wheels, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what, did we talk about the main kid's performance? Uh, loosely. Oh, uh, yeah, we did, man. You made an anti-Semitic joke, remember? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't say it was big! <laughs> Tanner, if you can if you can stop saying the words JQ over and over, or <laughs> if you listen, can stop bringing up listen. the Jewish question, we can revisit that kid's performance. <laughs> listen, Q has it locked down. Q, Q is the man inside. <laughs> uh, no. JFK Jr. is gonna bring it all down. The Obamas, the Clintons. <laughs> no, all coming down. This movie. Buy my boner It's predictive pills. programming. The one who's from the inside. You know the one working with uh, Palpatine Fairy? That's Q. What? That's Q. That's Q in real life who looks just like that. I've met him. The technology. You know what? The fairies are the ones that made Palpatine return. Oh my god. This movie's canon with Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> The fairies, somehow, because of the fairies, Palpatine returned. The fairies are the one who built the Star Destroyers. <laughs> so the kid's performance? Uh, uh, it, it was barely a performance. I'm just going to cut my way through, through everything here. This kid had, like, one of the most unremarkable performances ever. I barely remember him as being a character. At some point, he's like, I have to make a call. And I'm like, who the fuck put you in charge? Because it sounds yeah. like you did, and everyone else was more noteworthy than you. The only line delivery I remember is like the last line of the movie where he's like, where the guy's like, Who are you? And then Artemis Fowl is like, I'm Artemis Fowl, criminal mastermind. And then, I and then he like, does like, that cool laugh. guys don't look at explosions walk away. Except there's no explosion, so he just looks like a jackass. It's just a, it's just a landline. <laughs> the dumb... <sighs> I have expected him to start laughing like Austin Powers. <laughs> By the way, uh, uh, okay, fun. recast this movie, but Austin Powers is the lead instead of Artemis Fowl. How much better does it get? Uh, ten percent better. We get to a fifteen percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Good. Yeah, I I just have a problem because like there are movies I remember from like me growing up where like Chloe Grace Moritz was like the same age as Farida Shaw and like blowing people away, just like in, in movies like Kick-Ass, just giving these, like, 
really well-rounded performances. More recently, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood had this, like, very little girl acting alongside Leo DiCaprio and totally holding her own. So I'd, like, think that there is, like, this supply of Mensa kids out okay. there to do the Moonrise Kingdoms and stuff. So, you know? With child acting, yes, of course they're out there, but, like... I, I don't get it. Sometimes uh, people just fit a certain type or something. I don't know. But yeah, no, the, there's no excuse that they should have cast the kid. I hate to just rip on a kid, but at the same time, like, no, maybe, he did maybe, not do a good maybe job. He's the, maybe he's the only kid that showed up to the audition with an Irish accent. That's, that's totally he did, possible. He honestly. had, like, six words with an Irish accent, though. Uh, his whole character was in an Irish accent. Nah. Yeah. I, I don't buy that. That's the, fake news. Okay. That's that's fine, <laughs> but Jackson the, he did, has an Irish accent in the movie. No. Yeah, but he totally Dis did. <laughs> what no? Disney puts out a casting call, the most general ever. It's just like we need a fair-skinned boy who looks good in sunglasses, and only three people showed up. And the casting agent is like, "What's happening?" And they're just like, "I don't know. Apparently, some airport in Malaysia blew up." <laughs> just like... uh, the casting director, by the way, not agent. So back to the sunglasses. Christ, what fucking gas station did they get those props from? Oh <laughs> you know, I, I agree. The sunglasses all look dumb. It's I'm hard gonna... to find sunglasses for that small of a head. That's why you have props departments. You think Disney wanted you to know? spend money on this? It's like they took them from the confiscation box at Disney World. Hold on, let me look up the budget. 125, 125 million, million is less than Hold some on. episodes of The Mandalorian. No, it's not. That's uh, more than, like, the entire budget of The Mandalorian, I'm pretty sure. Also, um, I did have another question. Uh, since we're on the topic of the sunglasses, this is loosely related. Um, the suit. Oh, God. Green Goblin. Uh, all of the fairies were basically the Green Goblin from the 2001 Spider-Man oh, movie. Yeah, no, that too. Okay. <laughs> you mean the Green Ranger? Believe it or not, that backpack was actually just stolen from Ant-Man and the Wasp's prop department. Yeah. <laughs> Disney just, like, wandered over onto the MCU sets and saw, like, they're like, what props can we borrow? We're gonna put it on this 20-year-old's back because she's short. What fucks me up is knowing that there is some collector out there who wants replicas of all the famous sunglasses from Cinema Canon. Like, he has the sunglasses from La Dolce Vita, he's got the sunglasses from They Live, and he saw this movie and was just biting his thumb. Was he just like, is this where my line ends? Is this the end of it for <laughs> me? Do I, I really want to own these? All right. <laughs> He collects the sunglasses, but he keeps it hidden in a safe so nobody knows he has it. It's like it's like the <laughs> Oculus. You have to un you have to crack the safe. It's like the Oculus Rift. God. I forgot how to pronounce it, so now it's just the Oculus Rift. That's what they're after. Is a fucking VR headset. Oculus Rift, the acorn of doom. <laughs> that it's never really explained how it causes doom. Yeah. Yeah. What does it even do? You know, I've seen Oculus Rift games that had better effects. Than this. <laughs> yeah, this movie yeah. is not. This movie is no uh, <laughs> new. You know, New Mutants. You know how everyone complains about the CGI at the end of Black Panther? Yeah. The entire movie looks like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, especially the fight scene where. Um, the butler and Artemis were going at the fairies, it had really crazy CG camera moves and totally reminded me of the ending fight in Black it Panther. It is the worst action scene of 2020 so far, and it has no reason to be that bad, but it's cut so quickly, so jarringly, it reminds me of an edit I saw the other week where somebody re-edited the opening of Baby Driver to the uh, Cowboy Bebop intro theme tank, and uh, they chopped the edit so horridly that it doesn't function anymore. And uh, that is what that is what that fight scene reminds me of. You reminded me of the Hunger Games. Oh, this—that's what would have made this movie better. Crazy shaky cam. If this movie had a bunch of shaky cam. I just want a fucking <laughs> Jason Bourne view of Artemis Fowl beating an elf's head in with a toaster. They dig up whatever whatever unmarked grave Paul Greengrass is in right now, and like, be like, hey, we got one last job for you. you got it. You gotta give a new generation of kids migraines. One thing that's uh, kind of like a big flaw of this movie is Artemis Fowl is supposed to be one of those smart kid movies. The main character yep. is supposed to be the super genius kid. And then the movie is littered with these scenes that have like the intellectual bandwidth of a fucking like coloring book. Like there's a scene where they like go in 
And Domovoy is like, I wouldn't know where to find your father's journal. I don't even know where to look. And Artemis Fowl, it's like 10 feet from where they're standing. He's just like, I remember everything because this plot is entirely made out of a convenience store. Yeah, uh, there's another scene that was really stupid where uh, Domovoy is taking shots at Holly and he misses the shot where she's sitting completely still. And then the moment she flies up right. really quickly and is in an impossible place to hit, Domovoy makes the shot. Yeah. Oh yeah, no, you know, no. Dumb as there, hell. there was another really stupid scene in this movie. It was called the rest of the movie. Yeah. Motherfucker! <laughs> I don't get it. Oh damn. By the way, when we're talking about uh like actual kids movies that seem smart, I know that this is false, but it reminds me of fucking Catch That Kid, which was one of my favorites back in oh, 2004. Shit. Oh my god. You've just un you've unlocked some deep recess of my brain. Starring Kristen Stewart and Corbin Blue at the same time. Yeah. Kristen Stewart was in Catch That Kid? Yeah, the main character. <laughs> Let me just say something. Let me just say something. Um, I, I know this is like such a weird niche thing, but it's something I care about. Um, okay. I'm scared. The score of the movie. Oh, yeah. Yep. That's not niche. Yeah, it's not niche at all. I don't know why he called it niche, but the score of the movie... Did anyone else, like... It sucks. It sucks? Yeah. Uh, it's uh, one of those things remember. where, at the end, they were clearly blasting what was supposed to be, like, the main theme as they're getting on that helicopter and, like, leaving the film. And I'm just like, there is nothing here to latch onto. There's nothing memorable. This sounds like the backing track that you actually put in interesting music to play the leitmotif so, of the film. here's the crazy thing about it. I, I've looked into the, the, the guy that composed the movie. Mm-hmm. Dude has been nominated for two Oscars for mm. his composing work. And, you yeah, know, and he's worked with Kenneth before. Yeah, he's worked with Kenneth before. He was nominated for that Hamlet movie. Hell yeah. That uh, Daniel hates. Hate he was it. also nominated for Sense and Sensibility, which is a good movie with a good score. I, Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire. Um, the first Thor has an okay score. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. But here's, yeah. here's the big thing. Here's the big thing. Here's the big connecting tissue I'm leading up to. So, the guy that scored this movie, because I thought the score sounded kind of familiar. Okay. So even though I thought thing? it sucked. So anyway, this guy was the composer of the Emoji movie, and I thought the score sounded similar. Oh. <laughs> okay. Uh, oh god, when the budget is over a hundred million, this guy just gets a huge check, <laughs> blows it all on coke, and then bones it in. He makes the, he makes the score in, like, Ableton. Yeah, I'm convinced that must have been what happened. <laughs> it's really just a bunch it's, of garage like... band default beats. <laughs> oh no. It's it's like a rule around Hollywood that you don't give this composer too big of a paycheck because then he goes on a coke binge and just doesn't work. Yeah, you can't give him the big budget movies. You can only give him the mid budgets. No. <laughs> Not allowed. Something awakens him, like he shows up to the recording studio every day if you give him too big a paycheck with the fucking Artemis Fowl sunglasses on. <laughs> and they're like, what, what's that guy's name? What's the, uh, the composer's Doyle. name? That's not Patrick. That's just Rick. And he's like, everybody call me Rick. It's payday. <laughs> God. He just comes in and he's like, he, no, he comes in and he's like bought a bunch of hookers and he's like, I'll let them play the instruments. After the movie finally gets bounced and it's on, like, digital cinema packages, his wife, like, knocks on the door and he's in there with, like, the, the Scarface Mountain of Coke. And she's like, hi, can I have Patrick back? I'm done hanging out with Rick. <laughs> and Rick's like, I, I gotcha. I like to imagine he stole the Artemis Fowl sunglasses from the set and they clearly don't fit his head. <laughs> like, it's squeezing in on his skull. It's more like the, uh, the fucking, uh... <laughs> Arms are like fanned out around. You know, no, you know, you know what? Patrick Doyle is the guy that collects the cinema sunglasses. <laughs> He's proud. Oh, no. He proudly displays those two pair. No, three because uh, uh, Juliet has her own pair. Because Artemis, Artemis, he's like Artemis Fowl sunglasses. This is the real. This is the jewel of my collection. He stole all the sunglasses, which is why some poor PA had to go to 7-Eleven to buy a bunch off the rack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, Patrick Doyle stole the good ones, and like the yeah. day of, they were like, "Where are the sunglasses? You go to 7-Eleven." <laughs> yeah, half their half the props budget was in those sunglasses, and then that person stole them all, so they had to go to 7-Eleven. Yeah, they spent they spent fifty like sixty five million dollars yeah. on sunglasses. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> 
They were really top of the line. They were like 90% Vanta Black. <laughs> they had like never before seen AR technology. Yeah, right. They, they were, were actually just... going to film. There was actually going to be a heart for Hardcore Henry 2 after this as well. <laughs> they were modified from the last existing pair of Google Glass. <laughs> they had been kept in a safe because all the others were broken in face punching incidents. <laughs> Are you recording me? <laughs> You know, God. when when we're when they were like doing the whole thing where uh, he's Artemis is just like I know the answer for the journal, but that first rack was pulled out. I'm just like, oh, that's a lot of shampoo bottles, and uh, <laughs> they got a close up on it, and it looked like there was fucking nothing in any of the bottles. Oh yeah, there was nothing in any of them. Why? Artemis's dad collects fairy gins. <laughs> he collects fairy no, bottles. He's the no, he's the guy who steals artifacts for Hobby Lobby. <laughs> he's the Hobby Lobby guy. That's why they're trying to crack down on him. He's the Hobby Lobby guy. Also, stolen an unknown amount of riches. It's also, less stolen and more, and more funded ISIS. I still can't get over the fact that Hobby Lobby was caught with that. Like, wasn't that the weirdest thing? No. Hobby Lobby no. was funding wait, wait. ISIS. Like, how does yeah. this not? <laughs> they were really mad about the Obamacare mandate. <laughs> yeah. Hobby Lobby was running an ISIS slush fund? Is that what I'm Yeah, where, who do you think they bought all the stolen artifacts from? Every time ISIS yeah. goes to just blow up some, like, priceless piece of Middle Eastern art, they instead donate it to Hobby Lobby. <laughs> No, that's how ISIS gets funding. They they steal shit from museums when they roll through town, and then they sell them to foreign collectors, like Hobby Lobby. You, no, that's the thing. They had a deal. They had a, like ISIS and Hobby Lobby had a deal where if ISIS established the caliphate, Hobby Lobby got first dibs on building a craft store there. <laughs> <laughs> there would only be one craft store in the entire caliphate, and that store was Hobby Lobby. <laughs> yeah, they, they had an agreement. Oh my god. And the manager of that store's name was Daniel Green. Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> why Why have you kept saying that in our group chat? I could see the resemblance. Why is everyone's name Daniel Green? <laughs> it's the beard, you know? Yeah. It's not there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so now you have no excuse. I just like singling you out, Daniel. I'm sorry. It's funny. Hey, uh, is, is it me or were there those higher fairies that were in charge of Dame Judy Dench? Were those called executors? I thought, like I the thought Pokemon. they said Exudor, like the Pokemon at first. No, they're Exodor. Exodor! Okay, it cool. It ties back in. Yeah, shut the hell up. No, it, it was the executor, like the star like the super star destroyer from Return of the Jedi. I'm pretty sure it was Exodor, like where they built all the super super star destroyers in Rise of Skywalker. Hey Josh. I, I thought <laughs> fuck. The first order was only the beginning. Rise my fairy army. <laughs> Me after McDon after I uh, get my first combo at McDonald's, is there anything else? The first order was only the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Now, give me the fairy Happy Meal toy. I wouldn't be surprised if the if the evil fairy in this was like the the tiny Rick version of Snoke that Palpatine <laughs> oh just had in <laughs> one of the clone vets. That was one of the frustrating moments in the movie when Artemis first gets off the phone with like Obakai or whatever that fuck the villain's name is, and uh, the, the, his fucking butler is just like, "Yo, who was that?" And uh, Artemis is like, "I don't know. I can't tell the thing's gender. Fuck!" And it's like just clearly sounds like a girl going through like a weird pitch modulator. I mean, I don't fucking know. It's just another dumb thing. Plus, her voice sounded like some like Halloween costume from the '80s bullshit. Yep. <laughs> Like, I used to have a voice changer that you just spoke into. You buy these things at, like, Toys R Us, yeah. and it sounded better than their final mix of the villain's voice. No, they got it. They, the, the PA got it from the same 7-Eleven they got the sunglasses on. You know how 7-Eleven will randomly sometimes have toys to yeah. sell? Yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> they just happen to have a voice changer toy that day, and Kenneth Brown was like, we can try this. Oh, I thought that they just stole Austin's Kylo Ren helmet. <laughs> the... It's Austin's broken one. <laughs> the composer went full, like, full Rick instead of Patrick and wiped his ass with the original costume, and the poor PA noticed his spirit Halloween on the way to set and was like, I got an idea. 
Are you Walk insinuating in. that Patrick Doyle kept sabotaging this film? <laughs> yes. He kept stealing the props, which is why this $125 million movie that isn't a money laundering front just kept going to, like, dollar stores and, like, Halloween shops for their costumes. <laughs> yeah, they they originally Nolan'd this movie. They had like a 25 mil budget, came in under budget, and everyone was stoked, and then Patrick Doyle happened. <laughs> Patrick No, it's like it's like Food Fight, how like the original Food Fight footage was lost due to thieves. Patrick Doyle broke into the studio and stole all the original Art and Foul files. So they had to reshoot the whole movie again. Oh that's oh what happened God. at the end. It was uh it was repurposed footage from Tenet. <laughs> <laughs> Are you talking really about the shot where the helicopter is riding off into the sunset? No, the, the shot where everything is going backwards in time because the time bubble's going away. That's all footage that's just reused assets from Tenet. It was like it was like deleted scenes from Tenet that Chris Nolan was like here. They Why just... the hell was that one guy just near the manor in the ocean? Oh yeah, and then yeah, the guy with the boat. Remember when she decides to save him by putting him back in the boat that's 400 feet in the air? <laughs> I love that. He's still gonna die, Holly. You did nothing. This is canon with Pacific Rim. It's the same boat. Also, yeah, what's with this, like, Japan-level tsunami that just happened to happen before the movie? Like, that would have absolutely wrecked their house. Yeah, I don't know. No, they had, like, fairy force shields or something. <laughs> The Fae we're watching over. Speaking of the Fae, there was a line that fucking killed me where uh, when Holly goes missing and gets shot and everything and she's just like, deploy everyone. I oh need everyone on recovery force. Land, sea, and air. And I'm just wondering, what the fuck is the elf navy like? <laughs> just a bunch of submarines. Oh yeah, but then uh, what about the, uh, the replacement for the F word that happened in that scene? Remember that? What no. What fairy? No, they're, they're, yeah, they, they, like, replace the F word. I, I'm trying, I'll, I'll pull it up, give me a minute. I remember there's a really graphic sex scene in the books where it turns out that the fairies have four penises with spikes on the end. Oh. Yo. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah it, Josh, you are our only resource for this. <laughs> Please do not tell me that your knowledge of the books, this is true? No. What the fuck? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Hey, Daniel, what was that replacement for F word line? Get the four-leaf clover out of here. <laughs> yeah, which is even better. Okay, yeah, but it's get the four-leaf clover out of here. I remember I heard that, and I just went, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> yeah, this movie did the uh, TV-14 V-chip censorship to itself. It's like four kids level funny. It's like, it's like, it's like saying, I'm sick and tired of these Vanilla Friday snakes on this motherfly jack and boy. Oh my god, <laughs> when I found out that was... You mean the superior version of Snakes on a Plane? Yeah, when you it's meet, when you monkey meet flying snakes on this Monday to Friday plane. That's my favorite. <laughs> you know, Bobby, when you meet a stranger in the Alps, or the Alps or whatever, Big Lebowski? This is what happens when you fight a stranger in the Alps! Thank you, I, I couldn't get it, I couldn't remember it. Also, it's been a while since I've watched the TV edit. I've never actually seen the Big Lebowski. I want to. Uh, I also have the line, You spy or you die, highlighted. Oh yeah, that was funny. <laughs> that one was just like, because I was half paying attention. I was half paying attention, but uh, Jesus Christ, that line stood out to me. It kind of snapped my neck just without. So, full disclosure, full disclosure, by the way, 30 minutes into the movie, I got so bored that I started playing a game and watching the movie at the same time. <laughs> oh, yeah. Same. Tanner! Tanner, we're supposed to be professional critics. Dude, I've like 120,000 thieving experience the entire movie, so like. Our ADHD ass can't handle this shit. <laughs> You guys, I just got us registered on Rotten Tomato and Metacritic. Well, guess what? Okay, I'm still going to watch it, but um, then I'll just replay it a lot because I'll see myself getting distracted. If I, if, if I was a critic, if I was a critic on Rotten Tomatoes, I would rate every movie rotten, no matter what. <laughs> but wait, then then Super Geniuses, Baby Geniuses Two would, would have a uh, 99 instead of an 100. Okay. Good. <laughs> so you're telling me that Blade Runner 2049, you would just write a cinematic Marvel zero out of ten. <laughs> yeah, be yeah, because uh, when I say cinematic marvel, I mean I I, I mean marble, like a marble. <laughs> Guys, I just pulled a shitload of strings to get you all DVD copies of upcoming movies, screener copies of Tenet and Dune. 
Why are you gonna fuck up our chances, critics, right now? <laughs> I'm playing RuneScape? Dude, if I was getting paid to do this shit, of course I'd sit down and watch I actually, this reminds me, I almost got a press pass. <laughs> Holy fuck. For my radio what? show, I almost got a press nice. pass. How? Uh, the, the, the guy that ran the radio station knows the person who gives out the press passes. Oh, wow. And he was gonna pull some strings to get me it, but the problem was is that apparently the critic screenings are usually screen on Tuesday, and I had night class on Tuesday. Oh. Oh. You lost us our ability to see Dunk. That I was this close to getting a press pass that, from what I understand, would have lasted me a year. You Tanner, I have a, I have a similar fucking story from when I went to Mizzou. Dig this. So there was this panini maker that was in the lunch hall that not just anyone could use because okay. students kept getting hurt. And I actually was given a panini press pass. <laughs> I got a press pass. You got the panini press pass. Shut the fuck up, both of you. Shut the fuck up. We're not so different, you and I. Okay. <laughs> We're like brothers connected at the hip. You know? You got you got your law firm. Me, I got all these fucking markers. <laughs> <laughs> Get the fuck out of here with your Mulaney. Also, uh, when when Josh Gad is in the uh, prison cell and the goblins come to shake him down, I got weird vibes that were eerily similar to that one scene in Osmosis Jones where Thrax, like, murders a bunch of gangsters in the showers. Okay, so clearly we need to make Dawn watch this and see if she gets turned on the same way she gets turned on by Thrax. <laughs> I'm not sure that Josh Gad is going to do it for her. What? I, I think this I think this movie wasn't so timely. I don't think it, it should be... Like, critics should be harder on this movie because there's a scene where Holly turns off her body cam. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, the movie has a 9% on Rotten Tomatoes. How much harsher can you get? I, I saw 10%. Did it go down in the last hour? You have to you have to click on the actual page because if you just look at the Google search, it'll be like a couple days old. Oh, I, I was going off of Wikipedia, but that makes sense. Still, no, I, I'm looking at it right now. It has a 9% with critics and surprisingly a 20% with audiences. Oh, wow. You know, that doesn't surprise me because children have to watch this movie and children are fucking stupid What are, what are the people days? that like it saying? <laughs> a big ticket Disney movie is a visual spectacularly expertly assembled and it looks likely that it will be remembered as an all-time classic. Wow. Shut the fuck up. What? These effects would have looked dated in Ant-Man when he goes to the quantum realm. Yeah, no, the, the effects did look dated. Like, they did not look they, they reminded me of the Aragon movie, which is actually the, the comparison I would make having read the books uh, for an adaptation. This is like... I never saw those. The Aragon movie was they actually suck. really funny, though, so I, I actually scratched Wait, that. Aragon? The Aragon movie was fucking hilarious. One of the writers of this movie wrote the Aragon movie. I am not surprised. I remember not the bad. Aragon movie... Uh, wasn't rated like six weeks before its release. They were still airing trailers on TV where it was saying this film is not yet rated. Yeah, I remember that too. <laughs> yeah, which one was it? Which guy wrote Aragon? Christopher Paolini. It was some 14-year-old. No, <laughs> not the... Wait, was it not the writer? Who was it then? Okay, who said... Who... What... Oh, okay, no, no, no. It was Patrick Doyle was the composer. Patrick Doyle composed for Aragon? That doesn't surprise me. Did Kenneth Brain? Holy shit, Aragon? it did! I think we're seeing a common thread here. He just walks into movies and fucks him up if he gets given too much money. The budget for that one? A hundred million. You want to compare that uh, with adjusted for inflation to uh, 2006? I'm pretty sure it's uh, pretty similar. What's the Emoji Movies budget? Twelve. Dollars. Yeah. <laughs> TJ Miller stole the rest and spent it on brain surgery. Uh, you know, he could use some brain surgery because he's a weirdo in a bad way. That's what happened with Underwater. He gets pulled out of a suit for brain surgery. That was him being dragged out of the film to go to his All right, the Emoji Movie has a $50 million budget, unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, why was Foreigner in the film? Why was the band Foreigner playing in the film? Because you know what? This is a movie that belongs in the mid-2000s. I remember there being a thing in the yeah. books about uh, the fairies picking up human culture because theirs was stuck underground in, like, a shithole. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. And they were trying to do that and failed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Remember, so, that, uh, remember that trend in the mid-2000s 
where like everyone was trying to be Harry Potter. I feel like this is what that is, but it came ten years too late. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like the Slender Man movie. Oh my god. Where it's like displaced in time very severely to the point where it's awkward to release. Or Black Widow, soon to be. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Well if Black Widow ever comes out. Yeah, I was just about to say, wasn't that supposed to come out like a few months ago? It was supposed to be in May. for November now. So you guys know of like Disney girls, right? Like 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 girls that are floating around society and they're just into Disney oh, yeah. as fuck. Yeah. My mom, yeah. Disney people, yeah. I know way too many men, sorry. <laughs> yeah, my uh my brother-in-law is like on the dating scene again, and so he's like looking for a girlfriend, and if he brings a Disney girl over, I'm gonna have a Blu-ray copy of John Carter and Artemis Fowl, and I'm gonna be like, Yeah, I love Disney too. Which of these two movies do you want to watch? <laughs> What if, yeah, the only movies, the only Disney movies I keep in my catalog are movies that lost Disney a titanic amount of money. <laughs> like, I also have a copy of Dinosaur, the <laughs> 2000s movie. God, Dinosaur, I... I like that movie. It's cute. I remember Dinosaur, like, looking really stellar, and when I looked into it, apparently they used uh, live-action plates to animate over, and it integrated really well, so that movie is still, like, really good for 99. One thing I love about Disney is that they have so much fucking income that they can do these weird things that seem experimental, and they always end up being flops because people expect, like, the popcorn movies from Disney. Like, right here, they just made an $125 million bottle film. <laughs> or what about the fact that they spent, like, $200 million, $250 million on Tangled, and, like, at least $50 million was spent just developing the technology for the hair? It paid off in Frozen. Yeah, that's true. That And then Frozen made them all the money. Yeah. Uh, fun, fun fact about Frozen. Did you know that it was a very different movie before they wrote Let It Go? No. no. Mm -hmm. They changed the entire movie to work around Let It Go. Originally, Elsa was the villain. Interesting. I, I just wish that Hans was a firebender and this was actually canon in the uh, Avatar universe. Because, like, when Let It Go, when they first heard Let It Go, because here's the thing. When they told the people that wrote Let It Go to write Let It Go, they told them to write the villain song. And then they wrote Let It Go, and Disney heard Let It Go and said, we need to change the whole movie because this song is going to make us a lot of money. Oh, yeah. And then it did. So, uh... All right, so, uh, we're just taking pot shots at Disney. Maybe we should wrap this I up. I don't want to wrap it up yet. I have a couple more notes. Uh, specifically... Okay. Hell yeah. Uh, Mulch's motivation is to get height reduction surgery... Oh, yeah. <laughs> I forgot yeah, about that. If we want to call back to Tall Girl. Oh, my oh, God. Let's tie, this in. <laughs> let's tie this back into the Cybercock of Bloodshot. <laughs> Cybercock. Cybercock. Cybercock 2020. <laughs> what do you mean? Cybercock, Cybercock 2077? The original game was so Cyberpunk 2020, and they changed it to 2077 because 2020 was too close to the release date. Hey, Josh, you sound like Kermit the Frog, but as a valley girl. <laughs> That's what he's going for. Kermit the Frog here. Also, I, I did not write many notes on this. I just said, I'm upset that that's how dwarves dig. <laughs> yeah, oh, 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 yeah, they eat oh, oh, shit man. immediately. <laughs> yeah. Talking about foul. <laughs> yeah, notice how like the dirt went right out of his asshole. It was literally right out of his asshole. This, that was, I don't remember if this was last year or not, but Doolittle had the same thing, where it makes you think too much about butthole in a kid's movie. That was from the books, too. That was in that the was books. January. That What's was January. What's the butthole cut of Artemis Fowl? The, uh, the dwarves did uh, shit the dirt out, and everybody treated them like gross animals because of it. Of course, they failed to do that in this movie, but they're, all the characters are just like, you're fucking disgusting by nature. Yeah, you eat, the sh you eat dirt and shit it out immediately. That's disgusting. I mean, as someone who has experience eating dirt, I can and tell you, it's not, it's not pleasant. <laughs> did you shit it out immediately? Yeah. Not immediately, no, but I did eat dirt. Then you don't know their struggle, Tanner. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. I have friends who are dwarves. Yeah. I have a dwarf friend. I can't be specious. I voted for Dwarf Bomb. <laughs> listen, listen, I would you know, have voted for Dwarf Bama for a third term. Tanner, I just remembered my first thought of the movie was thinking that you would be a better Mulch Diggins than Josh Gad. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Sure. Probably. Why not? You would nail all of those jokes. 
<laughs> oh, thank you guys. I oh shucks, I'm blushing. I, I think we just need to reshoot all of Mulch Diggums with uh, Josh as Commander Root and uh, Tanner as Mulch. Oh yeah. Also, what that mouth do? <laughs> <laughs> the three and a half walls cut. Where is the three and a half walls cut? Oh my god. Artemis Fowl. Yeah. Oh my god. Ooh. Diggums just keeps going up to uh, the Dame Judy Dench's character and is just like, chop off my knees, please. <laughs> I gotta get rid of these knees! I want height reduction surgery. Oh my god. And then I want a cybercock. Oh man. Oh my god. So yeah, main main character kid, like this is gonna go down in history as one of the worst, like, fucking kid lead performances ever. Yeah. I kinda feel bad. Like, yeah. this is one of those kids where I'm just, like, hoping completely 100% turns it around, and in, like, 10 years, he's, like, Timothy Chalamet just starring in crazy Oscar movies. And but... giving a bunch of people at New York University chlamydia. Oh. Same. Yeah, that too. Uh, what if this kid becomes typecast as just, like, the fucking kid who delivers just, like, all lines the same without, like, blinking or anything? You know, just, like, no facial expression I mean, at all? there's a niche for that, I'm sure. Maybe Pretty he'll much. join the club of actors whose careers are doomed by playing Paul Atreides. <laughs> like Timothy Chalamet. I don't think I don't think this I don't think this performance is gonna go down in infamy like that. I just it's not a good performance, it is a bad performance, but it's not memorably bad. Yeah, no. That, that's kinda like the whole movie. It's yeah, not this it's movie's not just Aang gonna be forgotten. The, it's it's not Ong and the last airbender where the guy literally never acted again. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, Last Airbender was trash, but, like, th this was just not good. It's boring. Yeah, it was That's just boring. It it's, it's gonna boring. get forgotten. Honestly, I'm I was... Disappointed I'm, I didn't hate it more. Yeah, so are we gonna do the arbitrary, like, ranking system? So, yeah, uh, bottom line, this movie, uh, uh, as I said earlier, this movie was an example of why you need to show and not tell. Um, it... What it was a flat performance by just about everyone. The jokes were not funny, really. Um, the CGI was kind of trash. So because of that, I am going to give it one big star that is going to go directly into Mulch Diggum's mouth and come right out of his asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. I'm gonna give it a half a pair of sunglasses bought from 7-Eleven out of five. I'm giving this movie one Paul Atreides out of five because, uh, I don't know, at least it made it. It somehow got to the finish line, but at what cost? I'm, I'm gonna give this movie 0.5 of a dropped perfect looking bottle of milk out of five. <laughs> Because I I, can't, I don't think that... I think this will be like John Carter, where it's just a punchline forever. And it makes me sad, because ever since I was a kid, I was hoping movies would come along so I never have to read the books. <laughs> so, online have taken this yet, but I really want to be the first one to just be like, Disney Plus! I give this movie a Disney minus! No, no. Somebody... I guarantee you, like, the fucking Jeremy Stuckman schmoes bros... I've already said that. <laughs> oh my oh, god. Some... I know how to rate Disney Plus stuff now. It wow. either has a big D energy or small D energy. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that moment in the group chat where you said, I have, yeah, I have big D, and I said, congrats, really happy for you. <laughs> uh, actually, somebody yeah, did. Big D cybercock. Somebody on one of the uh, Rotten Tomatoes reviews that was like highlighted gave the movie a D. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. They knew what they were doing.